Hello and welcome back to One Likes Coffee, One Likes Cola. It's Shada here, uh, just me this time. But yeah, it's been a while. We are hoping to get right back into our normal posting schedule. So be on the lookout for some up and coming episodes. We're also going to be doing some rebranding, changing up a few of our logos, some of our episode covers. So yeah, keep a lookout for that. That'll be uh, really cool. And moving on to today's episode, we have a very, very important topic in store for you guys today, uh, and that is going to be Palestine. We're going to be talking about Palestine with a guest that I will be introducing later on. And if you're on the internet or if you're paying attention to anything that's happening in the world, you will have heard of Palestine. Now, you may or may not know too much about it. And we're hoping that this episode can sort of give you a push or a head start um, to teach yourself, to educate yourself on what's going on and to uh, continue continue your advocacy, continue your activism. And yeah, like I said, this isn't meant to be a full educational background, historical background on Palestine. There's only so much we can fit into a short podcast episode. But we're hoping that this will sort of give you a push to start learning more. And yeah, we really hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, I'm back, and I'm joined with uh, Dima Abushaban. Um, I am. You can't see me, so I'm <laughs> going to tell you exactly what I look like because I think it's important for the context of this podcast. Mm-hmm. I am not white. <laughs> I've got melanin. Um, I wear hijab. Uh, lack of blue in my eyes and white in my skin, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a Palestinian from Gaza. Um, and I am a teacher. I am an educator in Lethbridge. So yeah. that's what I have um, to offer yeah. here in the community. Well, and, and you mentioned you're Palestinian, so let's kind of jump right into uh, the topic of this episode, Palestine. There's been a whole bunch of uh, discourse on social media recently. Um, so we thought that this would be a great time to talk about it. So yeah, can we can we talk a little bit, let's give a little bit of background information and sort of talk about what's been happening in Palestine and like how long it's been going on. So first of all, I think it's important that whoever's listening knows that I'm speaking from experience, right? So I am Palestinian. I've been to Gaza uh, several times. My family lives in Gaza. So everything I'm sharing is, is the experience of a Palestinian in diaspora. It's the experience um, of myself visiting the Gaza Strip. It's the experience that I have shared with my cousins and my uncles and my aunts. It is the experience that they have shared with me when I wasn't there. So um, I'm speaking from experience today. And so I'm going to relate a lot of the answers back to things that I have gone through myself and that my family has gone through. Um, Palestine and Israel mm-hmm. have been going at it for a long time. And when I say going at it, I mean Israel's been going at it. And um, Palestine has been 
receiving on the receiving end mm-hmm. of all of this. And and when it first uh, blew up on social media, it was all about um, saving Sheikh Jarrah. Yes. Right? That's what we saw. Um, that's what gained a lot of attention. And as a Palestinian who knows that this has been going on for far longer than 2021, mm-hmm. you know, with, with Sheikh Jarrah, this has been going on um, officially since 1948, mm-hmm. but it has been signed off much before that in yeah. the early 1900s during the Balfour Declaration and the Sykes-Picot Agreement uh, between the French and the British, actually. So it's been going on a really, really long time. Um, so when I saw all of these posts circulating about Sheikh Jarrah, I was like, okay. My my first reaction actually was I was frustrated. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Why now? Mm-hmm. Like, what happened now where you're like, where you woke up? Why did you yes. wake up now? Yeah. And as someone who has family there who has been surviving for the past 73 years, um, not living, yes. surviving yeah. for the past 73 years, it was frustrating to me because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, it's about time. Um, but then I was like, okay, let's take advantage of this. And let's start posting. Right. And let's start making people aware. And my first post was, you know, this is great. Mm-hmm. Love that you're shedding light on Sheikh Jarrah, but this is not the start of what's ha- what's been happening. Yep. Yep. Um, and that's important to mention because, you know, Sheikh Jarrah is one example of thousands. Yes. Yeah. Of exactly. In exactly. the region, and um, yeah. So I, I, I think that's the background I want to give you. Mm-hmm. And and also that it's not a conflict. It's not a conflict between Israel and Palestine. No. Mm-hmm. It is ethnic cleansing. It is a genocide. Um, Palestinians live under the occupation of an apartheid state. Plain and simple. Period. Yeah. Yes. There's nothing else to consider here. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And and I noticed that you're being very careful with the phrasing that you're using. And I appreciate that because I think that that's so important to this conversation. I think that for too long, we've kind of been using like wishy-washy phrases like conflict and all these things that make it seem more um, two-sided than it is. So I appreciate that you're like making sure to take notice of your phrasing. But you mentioned ethnic cleansing. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about this genocide that's happening. So, okay, so ethnic cleansing, if we were to break that term down. Mm -hmm. So the ethnicity that's being cleansed here is the Palestinian one, Mm -hmm. the Arab one, Mm -hmm. um, by the Zionist state, which is Israel. Mm -hmm. Now, ethnic cleansing is the removal, in Palestine specifically, it's the removal of Palestinians. Yeah. Okay, now remember... It's ethnic cleansing, so it doesn't have anything to do with religion. Mm-hmm. So these are Palestinian Muslims and these are Palestinian Christians mm-hmm. that are being ethnically cleansed. Now, because of all the divisions in Palestine that have happened be- since the occupation uh, by the state in 1948, you have different forms of ethnic cleansing. You have the, f- the form that it takes on in Gaza is not the same form it takes on in the West Bank. It's mm-hmm. not the same form as it takes on uh, specifically in Jerusalem. In the West Bank in Jerusalem, 
Um, or let's start with the north of Palestine, which was taken over in 1948. Mm -hmm. So these are areas like Haifa, Yaffa, um, Akka, so Acre, mm -hmm. um, these areas in the north. Now, these are majority Israeli areas. So this is considered when you hear Israel, yeah. that's what they're referring to. And then occupied Palestine mm -hmm. is Gaza and the West Bank. So the West Bank um what happens there is what's happening in Sheikh Jarrah mm -hmm. right that's how ethnic cleansing happens in the West Bank it looks like settlers coming into a home unannounced and physically removing families yeah yeah from homes um with no warning and 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 I'm not saying with no warning and stuff as if that would make it any better yeah but, yeah but that's what's happening right mm -hmm. they literally knock on the door they say we're here to take your home and they physically remove you from your home period mm -hmm. nothing else happens that home is now theirs and you are without a home yeah as a Palestinian there it's not like they put you in a hotel. No, no, no. you yeah. are without a home. Yeah. That's yeah. the end of that conversation, right. which wasn't even a conversation to begin with. Um, ethnic cleansing. And so, so why that's ethnic cleansing is because once you're without a home, how likely are you to survive? Yeah, exactly. Um, in the, in Northern Palestine. So the area that is now referred to as Israel. How is ethnic cleansing happening there? Well, those who still live there, which are very little, mm -hmm. okay, not not a not a very big amount of people, um, live in northern Palestine as Palestinians anymore. But if you do, and I'm speaking from experience, so my mom's family is from that area. My mom's family is from Acre, and her, mm -hmm. um, my grandfather was one of the people kicked out of his home. Um, in 48 and was forced to walk to Lebanon. So if you were not removed and you are still in a home there, there are rules, right? right? You don't have rights there as a Palestinian. If let's say something happens to your home, like, um, I don't know, a window broke or um, the electricity isn't working as well or the plumbing is is not working, so on. You are not allowed to fix it. Okay. So instead of physically removing you from your home, like in the West Bank, they're saying, okay, you can stay in your home, but as it deteriorates, you deteriorate. There's right. nothing you can do about it. Making it as unlivable as possible. Exactly. Making it as unlivable as possible. That's another form of ethnic cleansing. Mm -hmm. Now, when we speak of Gaza, Gaza has been under siege since, I believe, 2007. Mm -hmm. Okay? 2007. Yeah. How many years was that? Long many time. Many years. Long time. Many years. A very long time. Yeah. So what that looks like, when I say the word siege, that means that they are constantly there's constant surveillance by land, by sea and by air, mm -hmm. okay? By land, there are borders. There's a border between um, Egypt and Gaza called the Rafah border. Yeah. Um, there's a border between Jordan and Palestine and they call it Jisr, the bridge, right? Yes. You have to cross this bridge to get into Palestine. And there are borders within Palestine, obviously. And one of the biggest ones, or if we can even call it a border, uh, we can't. It's the apartheid wall. Yeah. Yes. 
um, and that furthers the division. So that pretty much surrounds the entire West Bank. Yeah. Um, now, Gaza is the largest open air prison in the world. Yes. Yeah. What that means is you're not actually in between four walls, right? It's not an actual prison, but it is. Mm -hmm. Why? Because of the surveillance because of the lack of movement that can happen, because of the lack of materials that can come in and out. Um, and there's a lot to talk about here. So yeah. be patient with me. Yeah, no worries. In Gaza, because of the siege, if fishermen, for example, cross a certain point, they're shot. Um, on the border, we are not the ones who control um, whether the border opens or closes as Palestinians. Yeah. That is in the hands of the Egyptians and the Israelis. So ultimately, the, the Israelis. Um, and as we know, borders are good for what? For not just people passing in and out, no, but things, yeah. resources. Mm -hmm. Things you need to survive, right? Mm -hmm. Building materials, food. Medical supplies. Essential human needs. Yeah. Okay? You need borders for yes. that is not available mm -hmm. by air as you've seen during this 11 day war that just passed it's clear that there's surveillance by air why because there are yeah. rockets being launched at the people mm -hmm. from the air um so it's the largest open air prison in the world now ethnic cleansing if we're going to go back to that this war that just happened this is not the first time it's happened. The last big one was 2014. The time before that, it was 2008, 2009. This happens all the time. Yeah. Um, and there doesn't have to be, and, and and those are the ones that just gained coverage, right? Right. Through the media. Yeah. That's very important as well. Mm -hmm. I was there in 2012, and I would argue that there was also a war. Yes. Uh, but that wasn't covered. Yeah, exactly. The night I left, there were seven airstrikes mm -hmm. on Gaza. And that was never covered. So, so these are really, really important things to consider. When we're thinking of removal of Palestinians, if you have a prison, so I want you to imagine an actual prison right now. Yeah. And I want you to imagine guards surrounding the prison. So that's going to be our land surveillance. Okay. okay. There's no water period. So we're not even going to consider surveillance by sea and air surveillance imagine then that you are stuck in between these four walls and people are launching rockets at the prison yeah naturally what's going to happen is people are murdered exactly people don't die Okay, this is another important point that Western media is very good at using words like death of Palestinians. Mm -hmm. Palestinians don't just up and die. No, yeah. we're not dying of old age. This is murder. Yeah. This is genocide. This is ethnic cleansing. Mm -hmm. um, so pay attention to that rhetoric in the media because it's always Palestinians die and Israelis are killed. Okay, so that's exactly. a very important thing to distinguish. Mm -hmm. Um, so go back to that image of the prison and things just being launched at you and you having no place to go because you are stuck. And then the war's over. Right. Let's assume the war's over. 
And when I say the war is over, I mean there are no physical bombs being launched at you and your family and your homes. Mm-hmm. Now what? There's a border. There's land surveillance, right? Mm-hmm. Do you get building materials to rebuild these homes? No. Do you get resources you need to help your family survive? No. Do you have constant electricity? Absolutely not. Do you have clean running water? Absolutely not. So ethnic cleansing in Gaza looks like this. It looks like a lack of resources, a lack of essential human needs to survive. Right. While also being attacked by the state of Israel. Yep. Again, as unlivable as possible. As unlivable as possible. And even then they get creative with what that means to right, them. Right, right. That's why in Gaza it's different, in the West Bank it's different, you know, and in Northern Palestine it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is what ethnic cleansing looks like in Palestine. Right. I I do want to, and, and the only reason I'm bringing this up is because this is something that you hear a lot when you talk about violence against Palestinians. The next thing to come out of someone's mouth is always, but Hamas. So I want to, I want to talk about that because, because it's just the only thing you hear, right? It's, it's being used to justify so much violence, so much, so much murder, like you said. So let's talk about it. So Hamas um, is so taboo. Why? Mm -hmm. Because they're a resistance. Yes. They're a resistance to an illegal Zionist state. Yeah. And when you have resistance working against the strongest state in the world, Mm -hmm. people obviously aren't going to be happy about that. Hamas. Yeah. Hamas is the only hope for Palestinians, not just in Palestine, but outside Palestine. So I'm speaking Mm -hmm. to you as a Palestinian um, in diaspora, right? Mm -hmm. For me, the hope is that finally someone is willing to stick up for my people. Yeah. Yep. And inside, like finally there are people willing to stick up for us. Mm-hmm. Now, when people outside that are so detached from this situation say things like Hamas is the terrorist organization or uh, on the state of Israel. And it seems in the West that the story always starts when mm-hmm. Hamas starts to defend its people. Right. But that's not how the story started. The story started when Israel decided to attack worshippers in Al-Aqsa Mosque. Mm-hmm. The story started when Israel decided to kick innocent civilians out of their homes. The story started in 1948. Yeah. And here we are finally defending ourselves. And you're telling me, as someone who has no ties to this, that this is a terrorist organization? Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. This is, this is insulting because guess what? The people who are actually being killed, the people who are actually living in an apartheid state would disagree with you. Mm-hmm. But you don't care about what they think. Right. Because it's you right now. 
and it shouldn't be about you because it's about the people who are being killed and living under an apartheid state. So this whole, you know, Hamas is malicious. Um, Hamas, it's a terrorist, it's a radical Muslim brotherhood, whatever people want to say. And that's a whole other conversation because that's right. Islamophobic. And, yes. and, <laughs> and whenever it's a Muslim defending um, himself or herself or themselves or uh, whatever it may be, it's terrorism. Yeah. Plain and simple. And you know what? It's a hard pill to swallow for yeah. everyone who is about to disagree with this, but right. that's how it is. Um, plain and simple. And so all I'm saying is every country in the world has an army. Mm-hmm. Why are we calling out people who are defending their people? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not even going to call it an army. Right. When this happens all the time everywhere in the world. Exactly. No. Why? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And, and like, I've, I've kind of spoken about this before, but, like, this is not new. The idea that resistance groups are labeled as terrorists is not new. We see it all the time. We see it, we saw it with, even with Black Lives Matter just this past summer. How many times did you hear them called terrorist groups? Like, and, and what's funny is people here are able to recognize, like, that that's not the case, that using the word terrorist to describe these resistance movements is incorrect, except when it comes to Palestine, right? And it's like, well, what do you expect? Do you expect people to just kind of sit there and take it? Or like people who say, don't fight violence with violence. Like, I I don't even know how, how people kind of come up with that stuff or why they think that's an appropriate response. But yeah. You know what like for to everyone listening if you were to close your eyes and i were to say the word terrorist the first thing that comes to your mind is probably someone whose face is covered who's wearing some bandana on their head mm-hmm. who's holding um a weapon of some sort and who's concealing their identity hamas comes up on the media looking exactly like that mm-hmm. but get what they're still not terrorists because we can't just to use a physical appearance to define who someone is. Exactly. The reason why their faces are covered, the reason why there's voiceover for their voice, the reason why um, they don't want to be identified is because they have families, mm-hmm. just like you and I. They have um, they have livelihoods, believe it or not. And they're protecting themselves just like anyone else would. Yeah. So concealing their identity is very important. Why? Because they are the only hope for Palestinian people. And if they go, Palestine has less of a chance. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we we kind of brought up phrasing earlier, but I want to kind of revert back to that. Um, and, and we talked about like the use of inflammatory language such as terrorists to describe honestly not even Hamas I've heard it being used to describe Palestinians who who maybe throw stones back like I've heard it you like the most minuscule situation um so I want to talk about that what what role does inflammatory language and also let's talk about gaslighting too this this idea that every time you bring up violence against Palestinians you get called anti-semitic or let's let's talk about that too Okay, that's a heavy one. Yes. So, so one one very famous image of Palestinian resistance is 
the rock, right? Yes. Where we, that's how we've defended ourselves for, for a very, very long time. And my father and my grandfather and, and like, we've all thrown a rock, right? We've thrown a rock, let mm-hmm. that sit, mm-hmm. a rock. There's a very famous image of a young boy throwing a rock as a tank points its cannon at him. Yeah. And I saw a caption recently on that photo that just says between quotations, Israel has the right to defend itself. Yep. Think about that, that image. And ask yourself, does Israel have the right to defend itself? But also ask yourself who the terrorist is in Mm -hmm. that situation. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take a PhD to understand that that is unjust. Yeah. It really doesn't. Um, I am someone who has never thrown a rock. My family, my father has, my mother hasn't. My mother, I don't think has ever even killed a fly. (laughs) My siblings, um, we are very, very peaceful, loving people. Mm-hmm. As are all Palestinians, but I'm speaking to you now from my my experience. When I was younger, when I was around, I don't know, six or seven, um, I was with my family in Gaza. Mm-hmm. And we're taking a cab to my aunt's house. And around the corner comes a an Israeli tank. And the tank points its cannon at my family's taxi. And all I remember is my mom with her three very, very little children and my dad in the front and my mom, all she does is say, duck, Mm -hmm. that's it. Now, in this situation, again, who is the terrorist? Israel, obviously. You need to ask yourself that question. Yeah. Who is the terrorist in that situation? Mm -hmm. We were on our way to see family and we were met with violence. Right. This is one of many stories, and I am only someone who has visited Palestine. And right. I have never even lived there myself. So imagine, imagine living there. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 all I want to say about terrorism. It really is not complicated. Mm-hmm. Truly, it's not. It's very clear who the terrorist is here, and it is the illegal state of Israel. Yeah. No question asked. Yeah. Because they perform acts of terror against the Palestinian people, plain and simple. Absolutely. Other inflammatory language, like, well, first of all, I I also want to address, because I think it's related to what I just said, so many people are coming out and claiming that the only issue in this whole thing is that there's an imbalance of power. Mm -hmm. And this really needs to stop. Because, you know, when, and, and a lot of the people coming out and saying this are famous people. Yes. People who have platforms and people who have voices and they're coming out and saying, you know what? Um, yeah. Imagine you being met by a gun when you only have a rock. Like how unfair is that? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, that's what's clearly like, just, yeah, it doesn't much to understand that that's unfair right so i don't need you to talk for seven minutes yeah. about 
how unfair it is that right. this guy has a gun and I have a rock. That's mm-hmm. not what it's about. Because even if I had a gun and the Israeli had a gun, it's still unfair. Why? Because I'm being physically removed from my land, and I have been for 73 years. Mm -hmm. That's what's unfair. So even if I had a tank, still unfair. Yeah. If I had Iron Dome, still unfair. If I had a gun, still unfair. Yeah. If we both had rocks, still unfair. Why? Because it's not their land. Exactly. It's not their place. So enough of this imbalance of power stuff that's circulating the internet. That is one of the things, yes, but it is not the thing that exactly. we should be talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay, I guess moving on. Um, let's talk about, this is something that kind of like confused me initially but as I'm as I'm kind of seeing the discourse on Palestine increase and I'm seeing um people on all like types like people all over the political spectrum speak about it um it's becoming more and more clear but why why do you think that Palestine is typically excluded from people's activism it's like you said it doesn't take uh, an education to recognize injustice and call it out. So why are people struggling so much with with this uh, specific instance? Because that's how bad the acts of terror by the Israelis on the Palestinians are. Mm-hmm. Because if that were to be exposed, it's game over. Right. If I'm not talking about governments, because honestly, governments are just corrupt. Um, but citizens of the world, mm-hmm. if this information was to be leaked, which is what's happening right now, yeah, people are going to start talking. And, and we have seen that um, Israel is actually panicking quite a bit now because yeah. this information is being leaked. And they know, as mm-hmm. well as we know, that these are acts of terror. <laughs> yeah. So then this becomes a taboo, Mm -hmm. right? In the West, especially. As an educator, it is very difficult for me to touch on what's happening in Palestine without negative feedback. Yes, yeah. It is, I've heard countless times, and, and I haven't gone to school in Canada, but I have a lot of friends um, who have, and they tell me, you know, in, in even at the university level, if you're in political science, for example, if you're talking about apartheid or genocide or ethnic cleansing, Palestine comes to mind yeah. for a lot of people, you know, mm-hmm. for Palestinians, for example. Let's talk about not just Palestinians. Let's talk about Middle East, people from the Middle East. If I'm in poli-sci class and, and, and I'm asked to write about, you know, injustice in the world, I'm going to want to write about injustice that's directly affecting my family. Yeah. So I'm going to write about what's happening in Palestine. Friends who have done this and they have been met with the words, it's too controversial. Yeah. Or complicated. Mm -hmm. Or this is a sensitive topic. And this is infuriating. 
it's infuriating because the only reason this happens is because we're working against a world superpower here mm-hmm. and that is the state of Israel and Canada and the states are massive supporters of the state yeah and i'm talking about i'm just talking about the west right now mm-hmm. so that is that is in my opinion why it's so difficult here however it would be ignorant of me to say that it's not difficult in the middle east itself i mean i have friends in the gulf region yeah who are and i can't even see their posts because they're being removed mm-hmm. and those are the countries close to palestine and that's even more infuriating mm-hmm. so it's not just an issue in the west it's an issue around the world um why because everybody chooses to look after themselves first right right it is in it is in our nature to be somewhat selfish when it comes to our safety and our well-being and you know if if i'm risking the safety of myself my life and the life of the people i love i'm going to choose sometimes to ignore what's happening in the world because i don't want it to affect me mhm um it affects people all the time who are living there and suffering under this apartheid system yes and it is our as human beings not as palestinians but as human beings to step and you um to fight this injustice Honestly that's a perfect transition to what I wanted to talk about next is um uh, you yeah you always get told it's way too complicated to be talking about so why do you think that uh this idea of it being so like complicated and so nuanced where do you think this came from and um what what can we sort of like be doing to clarify that and to and to kind of remove that idea that it's too complicated for people to get involved. Um I think the reason why this idea that it's complicated is circulating is simply because you know um ignorance feeds ignorance. Mm. When an ignorant person comes and tells me, "Oh, it's complicated." As an ignorant person, I'm going to be like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. Period. Yeah. I'm not going to look into it. I know it's happening and I'm not going to look into it. And that's that's ignorance to me. It's not it's not not knowing. It's knowing and not doing anything about it. Yeah, or choosing not so, to know, I guess. Choosing not to know or not to explore. Yes. What why? Because I don't want to make myself uncomfortable. Mhm. And that is the root of every problem that has ever, you know, occurred in the world. Right. Is we don't want to make comfortable um even when it comes to defending people who are experiencing enormous amounts of injustice yeah now um so that's why i think the word complicated might be circulating when you compare it to and this is this is the part i struggle with you know when you compare it to other things happening in the world like the black lives matter movement like the indigenous lives matter um situation we first of all especially when it comes to indigenous lives mhm the story is so similar yeah it's so so similar and mm-hmm. and here in canada 
if you claim to advocate for indigenous lives and you don't advocate for Palestinian lives, that blows my mind. Yep. Blows my mind because it is essentially the same thing. Right. Right. The physical removal of the indigenous people from their land. It is the not just the physical removal, but here in Canada, and I'm not going to say they're exactly the same. I'm not. But, you know, when when we want to morph people here, the indigenous people, you know, we claim they have claimed that they are savages, you know, right. and they are they are people who just need they need, you know, Catholicism and and Westernness. I'm gonna call it to make them mm-hmm. just civilized human beings, right? This white saviorist complex um, that seems to take over the entire universe. It's so similar, you know. It's it's a story of colonial rule at the end of the day. Yeah, it's a story. You're victims of colonialism, mm-hmm. and I saw a post recently that stated like we're not just i hate when they call middle eastern countries or or any other country really outside the west and europe developing yeah because the countries that are developed are the reason why we are still developing exactly absolutely we are victims of colonial rule When you say things like, and this is, I'm straying just a bit, but I'm taking the opportunity to mention this. Yeah. When people tell us to go back to our countries, all I want to say is, I really want to go back to my country. Mm -hmm. I would love to be back in my country. Yeah. But because of you, I can't be. Exactly. And imagine that same thing when you are still physically on your land like indigenous people are mm-hmm. and you are not wanted you are not wanted mm-hmm. and you are put on reservations right and you are no rights and you're stuck you're just stuck mm-hmm. uh so so it's important for us to recognize similarities between Absolutely. different forms of injustice in the world Absolutely. because it'll help us better understand what's happening and it'll help us better understand why it's not complicated mm-hmm. because when i tell you that it is a large, the largest open air prison in the world automatically i expect something in your heart to just you know buzz and be like oh right. that's not even what can i do about it just just this idea that that's not nice. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's not nice. Just a form right? of empathy. Like, just a form of empathy. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Any indication that you have a beating heart, really. Right. Not hard. Mm-hmm. When I say things, my language is not complicated. I'm not speaking you metaphysically about, like, yeah. you know, the, the differences between, I don't know, the actual land and, and the spiritual aspect. No. People are being killed. There's a killer and there's the ones being killed, period. Yeah. It just, it's not hard. No. So convincing people that it is a genocide and it is a form of ethnic cleansing and it is an apartheid system should be enough, should be enough for people to recognize that it's not complicated. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then what they choose to do with that after is an indication of where their morals lie, I guess. But yeah, it's it's always crazy to me to see people, even people I know who will um, advocate for all these different things and advocate for indigenous rights, advocate for, for just so many different things. And then I'll bring up Palestine and they'll be like, oh, I don't know anything about that. Oh, that's too complicated. And like, it's frustrating for me, but I can imagine like I can only imagine how much more frustrating it is for you when you're when you're talking about your own personal experiences, right? And people are telling you it's complicated. It's like, no, it's not complicated. This is just how it is. It's the facts. There's no opinions here. There's nothing like that. It's just I'm saying it how it is. There's nothing complicated about that. And yeah. stop invalidating my experience. Absolutely. Yep. Stop. <laughs> Excuse me, because it's no less unjust. Mm-hmm. And I'm not here, and I hate when people start comparing, mm-hmm. you know? We're not here to compare injustices. No, yeah. that's not what we're doing. But we're here to recognize that it is also unjust. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, media coverage has a lot to do with it in the West. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, the, the things that, you know, as, as, as a person from the Middle East, I know how to access um, news broadcasts like Al Jazeera, for right, example. Right. Um, and, and people here might not know that. And that's fair. That's fair. But with social media these days, it's really hard mm-hmm. to avoid the truth. Yep. It's so hard. Absolutely. Especially now with how much attention this is getting. If you still don't know what's happening, you are ignorant. Right. Period. And that that to me is an indication that you're intentionally ignoring everything you're seeing and just avoiding it and, and refusing to uh, educate yourself. So like that's yep. that's what that says to me. Um, Still saying it's complicated. Right. Right. But yeah. here you are just scrolling through these things and not reading them and exactly. not acknowledging them. And then you come out and say, well, it's complicated. No, it's not. If you can read. Yeah. Each complicated if you can hear it shouldn't be complicated if you can only see Mm -hmm. it should not be complicated truly if you have any of your five senses intact this is not complicated Mm -hmm. which means it's only complicated if you're actually dead yeah yeah if you are alive this is not a complicated right, issue. Right, right, right. Yes, absolutely. I don't I don't want to hear any more of that. It's complicated. It's it, that's not an excuse anymore. Um and it never was. It never was an excuse. Um but I I I want to talk about like what what happens next after we've posted um on social media after we we've had those conversations, right? What is there left to do for for people on the outside who like who want to help, don't treat this like a trend. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna say, yeah. do not treat this like a trend. Like a trend, no, because finally, finally, and this feels a little horrible to say, finally, it has become a trend. Yes, and I never thought I'd see the day where Palestine would be trending. Yeah, honest. Mm-hmm. But it has, and we have to keep the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. We have to highlight what is happening there day in and day out. Mm-hmm. 
we have to now now the thing with Palestine that that's complicated for example with a lot of um you know with with a lot of other movements like the Black Lives Matter movement for example it's easier to donate mm-hmm. to stuff like that because there are um uh black run businesses there are uh so on yeah so 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 it's easier to donate to that cause for example it's very very difficult to donate to palestine Mm -hmm. extremely difficult and that speaks to how unjust this is right the only way you can assure that your ensure that your donation gets to someone in Palestine is if you know that person personally. Period. Yeah, there are no organizations that there are a lot that claim to. Yeah, don't get me wrong. There yeah, a lot of organizations that claim to donate to Palestine, but I have trust issues when it comes to that mm-hmm. because so many times they have been exposed for taking the money raised for Palestinians and donating it instead to the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, right. to continue the genocide and the ethnic cleansing of the Palestinian people. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing to really be aware of. Um, so I would say, if you know a Palestinian, let them handle it. Donate yeah. to them, them donate to their family, for example. Mm-hmm. Another thing we can do is boycott. It seems like it's not going to do anything, but it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a personal chicken nugget addict myself, but I choose my family over chicken nuggets. Yes, yes, of course. Um, I choose my family and the lives of innocent people over Starbucks. Mm-hmm. I choose it over Puma. I choose it over L'Oreal. I choose it over all of these brands that support the apartheid state of Israel. Mm-hmm. That's the least I can do, actually. That's yep. the least I can do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another form of resistance. And resistance is a beautiful thing because it's not hard. Yeah. Especially in diaspora, especially for people who aren't physically endangered by the situation. Speak. Mm-hmm. Go out protest honk your horn uh wave a flag um write a poem mm-hmm. perform your poem. um talk to your friends talk to your friends about what's happening yeah talk to them and spread the word um don't be afraid don't be afraid to talk about this mm-hmm. and i if i could say that a thousand times i would Stop walking on eggshells around this issue because it's no different than any other issue. Mm -hmm. And that is honestly the biggest piece of advice I could give is stop being so afraid to speak out against injustice. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I really like that you said, don't treat this like a trend because um, that's like my biggest fear is after all of this, right? People will just kind of 
slowly start. And and the thing is, is like, you can forget about it, but it's not over for the people who are suffering. And they, they still, it's the same thing is happening to them. It's just, you've moved on with your life. And this is not something to move on with. This is something to keep learning about, keep having conversations about. And I think for, for students in school, this is I mean, like, this is something that I want to see increased more is more conversations about it in class, because I've never had a conversation about Palestine in class. And um, actually, Palestine was never mentioned at all. Like even, even when we were talking about a list of countries, uh, Israel was on there, no Palestine though. So that's something that I think like, start bringing that up, start talking about it in class. Like that's something that I think um, is gonna be so important in the future, and I, I hope I hope we can continue seeing um, more advocacy, and because that's just that's what's going to help from the outside is more attention on Israel and on their war crimes um, is going to put more pressure on them, and like like you said earlier, they're panicking, and we can see that, and we want more of that. Absolutely, yeah, and there are so many forms of resistance, and you can make up your own. Mm-hmm. You don't have to abide that are circulating no truly it could be anything because if if when people say like if i go out and protest in lethbridge alberta like what am i for such a big you know issue in the world Mm -hmm. even if so for example my family's in gaza Mm -hmm. when they saw that there was a protest in lethbridge yeah they saw me at the protest and that's how they were um seeing what was happening it just it's enough to just bring their hearts ease Mm -hmm. it's for them to know that there are actually people listening and watching and caring about their livelihood right and caring about their right to exist Mm -hmm. that's enough i'm not saying we're going to defeat the state of Israel. No, I'm saying even if you can bring a little peace to the hearts of the people who are suffering under this apartheid system, do it. Yeah, it's worth it. It's like, the it's the absolute least we can do. Like you said, like we're not putting ourselves at risk here for doing it. This is just something that um, it's just a small part of our weekends that we can go out and do. And it's it really is not that hard, like you said. So anything that we can do to help like we should be doing and and i hope that we continue to do so i hope we have more protests i hope we have more conversations and um yeah just continue talking about this and this is this is sort of what we're doing here i Um, guess yeah absolutely and i really appreciate this opportunity and and remember um we are also living in a time right now of a global pandemic Mm-hmm. And this 11-day war, and I, and I hate saying that because it's not just 11 days, it's still happening right now. Yeah. But if that's what it's called, fine. Um, if that's how you can reference it, yeah. fine. Uh, this 11-day war that happened, happened during a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. The only spot where they could get vaccinated was destroyed. Right. Do you really think that when you know, someone physically removes you from your home, you have time to grab a mask. No. Do you think when someone, um, when a rocket lands on your home and destroys it and you're fleeing your home, you have time to grab a mask? No. Um, 
I'm saying this because I want us all to recognize our privilege. Mm-hmm. When we, and this is an opportunity to tackle two birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. Um, when we speak of privilege, you know, we, we oftentimes these days talk about, you know, man, I don't want to wear my mask or man, like, I don't want to get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Recognize, please take a step back and recognize that some people in the world don't even have that choice. Mm-hmm. Some people don't even have the choice to wear a mask or not wear a mask, to get vaccinated or not get vaccinated. And this is a deadly virus. So put your life, let this movement put your life into perspective as yeah. well. Let this movement allow you to reflect on your privilege um and we all have privilege and it doesn't matter what that looks like we all have it and there's no point in denying it Mm -hmm. and use as an opportunity to not just reflect on the world but reflect on yourself and use that to help you aid the people of the world who aren't as privileged as you are yeah absolutely um you're so well-spoken. I love everything that you say. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for, for um, using your time uh, to talk to us about this and, and to help educate us all because we're all learning um, and we're going to continue learning. And yeah, I, and like I said, I just hope this keeps going. Yeah, everybody's learning. We're all learning together. But yeah, thank you so much for, for all your time. And yeah. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It's a very rare opportunity. <laughs> um, so thank you. I really, really appreciate it. Of course. You've reached the outro of this episode. Thank you so much for listening all the way through. You might have noticed this episode was longer than um, our usual episodes, and that's because it was such an important topic for us, and we didn't feel the need to cut anything out. Um, again, thank you so, so much to Dima for for um, spending your time educating us and spending your time talking to us. Uh, I enjoy talking to you so much, and I am looking forward on continuing my advocacy and continuing to educate myself. And I hope that everybody who listened to, to this episode is going to do the same. We are going to leave some links and some creators in the description box. So make sure to check those out. Um, this was just the beginning. So make sure you're expanding. Make sure you're, make sure you're still posting. Make sure you're talking about it. Because, yeah, this is just the beginning and we need to keep we need to keep advocating. We need to keep using our privilege to do what's good. Um, So, yeah, thank you so much for listening all the way through and see you next time.